invite you to please open your Bibles to John chapter 11. You can find that in your pew Bible on page 897. There's a page in your bulletin for note-taking. If you'd like to um, take notes along with the sermon, you're welcome to use that section. You'll see that uh, this incredible account in John chapter 11 is broken down into uh, several parts that we'll be reading, and then I'll say a few words and then read on as we continue our series in these I Am statements of John's gospel. Jesus says today that I am the resurrection and the life. So listen now as I read with us John chapter 11, verses 1 to 16. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his, his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. And Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Lord, he whom you love is ill. How often have we sent such a message to Jesus? Lord, the one you love is, is ill. Lord, there's been a terrible diagnosis. We need your help. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need you now. There's been a car accident. Where are you? Come to our aid. So we can instantly connect with what's happening in this. And we want to know, yet, Jesus, how will you respond to this urgent call for help? How does he respond? He says, this illness does not lead to death. Now we know from the context that Lazarus is dead by the time the messenger gets to Jesus. And the custom was and still is to bury the dead the same day. Lazarus is already in the tomb. So what in the world does Jesus mean? He goes on, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He means 
death won't be the last word. The last word will be the glory of God. If you're taking notes, write this down. In God's perfect timing, His glory is revealed, His grace is manifest, and our faith grows. Lazarus and Martha and Mary were Jesus' friends. We see that in this passage and, and throughout. They were His friends. He loved them. He cared for them. And God didn't make Lazarus sick in order to glorify himself. But Jesus can turn this tragedy into an occasion for glory. For glory, for God's people to praise God. To give God the glory that he deserves. Now, we don't see how that's going to happen. We don't understand God's timing. Maybe we never will. But Jesus says, this illness does not lead to death. It will lead to something far greater, the glory of God. He stays two extra days before traveling to Bethany, arriving on the fourth day. So there was the day that Lazarus took ill. They send a messenger, go, it's a day's travel. Lazarus dies while the messenger is on his way and finally gets to Jesus. He waits two days and then another day of travel, four days. How is grace exhibited with four days of suffering this loss? Jesus responds. He acts in faith, but he does it in his own way and according to his Father's timetable. I think that's the point of verses 9 and 10. Jesus is coming up to his own 11th hour. And so this family, these people that he cares for, are waiting for four days. Some of us here have been waiting far longer for an answer, for a sign of grace. Four days, try four years. We're 40. Some of us are wondering, when will he arrive? Where is the grace in this? And yet there is a timetable that, that we don't know, but Jesus shows that even he is subject to the timetable that his father has set. It's for glory. It's for grace. How in the world can our faith grow when we see a loved one suffer or die? Jesus says, I'm glad I wasn't there. Why does he say that? Jesus is saying it is more loving to let Lazarus die. It's better for his sisters to grieve than for his disciples to to face this fear? How can it be? Jesus says the answer is yes. Yes, it is better. If that would reveal more of God's glory to them, if, if God's grace would be manifest fully and in an incredible way through Christ Jesus, that's how their faith will grow, that they will come to believe deeply and richly in Christ, yes, he says, yes, this is better. It's for our good and for his glory. Let's continue, 17 to 22. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. 
Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. The disciples are aware of, of the dangerous situation they're, they're facing going back to Bethany. This was a place where people were seeking to stone Jesus. And so they're fearing for his safety and perhaps their own. And when they arrive, John describes the scene of mourning and weeping and concern as Mary, uh, as Martha runs out to meet Jesus. Now we all mourn the loss of a loved one and bereave in different ways. Culturally, we experience it in different ways. This is ancient Palestine. The ways that people uh, mourn in Palestine and Israel are the same today. There is great emotion and, and expression of one's pain and suffering. And so as we hear these words, as we see it, they come alive to imagine the same scenes we see on the TV when we see people mourning the loss of a loved one in this place. And in that scene, Martha goes out to see Jesus and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I've been present more times than I care to count to offer pastoral care in a time of death. At the very moment of death, being there present many times, in the hour following, in the days, and in the weeks. When you suffer a terrible loss, at first it's, it's a shock. It shocks our system. Uh, it numbers, the numbness begins to wear off after a few days, and reality sets in. That's where Martha is. It's four days of mourning her brother. The stages of mourning and grief are universal, experienced differently and in different degrees, but our bereavement in facing internal illness of loss and grief, we go through the feelings of denial, anger, we, we, we bargain, there's depression, and finally some kind of acceptance. Where do you think Martha is? in that stage of bereavement. I don't know. It's been four days. She expresses faith that Jesus could have saved her brother. But when I read these words, I hear great disappointment. She knows you could have come sooner. You could have been here. Which I think Martha's expressing these words with, with a degree of anger. In the face of death, there are many conflicting emotions. And what's beautiful here is Jesus allows Martha to feel and express those emotions. He can handle it. Jesus doesn't try to defend himself or, or explain why he's late or, or try to change her feelings. Friends, that is, that's good news. It means we can approach God with whatever we are feeling in those desperate times of, of mourning and loss, 
He's not going to try to change your feelings and tell you to put on a happy face. You might have to have a stiff upper lip for the children's sake and for the visitors coming in to visit you. But he says, come, I can handle it. We can express our feelings before God, and that is, that is good news. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When Jesus says, your brother will rise again, Martha hears it the same way we hear an encouragement in church or read a sympathy card. She receives it exactly the same way we receive a condolence from a friend at church. I know. I know he will rise again, she says. It's like she's saying, Thank you for thinking of me. We got your card. That was very kind. Yes, we're hanging in there. Yes, it's hard, but we'll, we'll be okay. Yes, God is good. But Jesus isn't saying there will be a resurrection. He is saying to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. In the midst of her pain, Jesus makes a promise. I promise you eternal life. Your brother will live. See, friends, resurrection is not merely a doctrine, a beautiful, amazing, spectacular doctrine that it is that we teach in the church and we pass down from generation to generation, but it is more than that. It has a face and a name. What's more, the new life can be lived in the here and now. To be united to Christ by faith is to share in the here and now in that new life that carries on beyond the grave. And so the real pain of Martha is met by the promise that is just as real. Resurrection hope. This means that we do not need to fear death. In Christ, we may surely suffer the grave, but we do not die forever. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. I've offered pastoral care so many times, but friends, I have also needed pastoral care. I've needed a friend, a Christian, a brother, a sister, a pastor, to say these words of reminding me, do I believe this? And I want to be able to say, in my moment of trial and pain, I want you to be able to say, like Martha, yes, Lord, I believe. I want that faith to grow. And I don't know why, in the mystery of God's plan, I don't know why it is, but for some reason, have to go through suffering and pain for this depth of faith to be experienced. 
verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying uh, in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, Mary rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. For the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Mary says the same words, but expresses them in an entirely different way than her sister. She runs to Jesus and collapses at his feet, despondent with pain. As she says these words, if you had been here, my brother would have lived. And we have the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, but even more emotionally packed, look at verse 33 where it says, he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. These words communicate heart-wrenching pain. Mm. Jesus expresses this pain and agony. But why? Why doesn't Jesus come and knowing that he's going to raise Lazarus, why doesn't he just have, be above the fray? Everyone's crying and weeping and he's just easy breezy. Why this emotion? When he knows he's about to perform a miracle. I think it's because death was not part of the Creator's original plan. Death, decay, these are the results of human sin, of wanting to live without God, of of Adam's disobedience that brought death. So Jesus is confronting the devastation and decay of the fall, and he is angry. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And even now, There are other graves in which people live or exist. Graves of bitterness and brokenness, of addiction and greed and destructiveness and all manner of idolatry. And Jesus weeps over those who remain in those graves. This is not the way it's supposed to be. He's come into the world. He's ushering in his kingdom to set things right. Verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. 
when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbound him, unbind him, and let him go. Jesus speaks, and nothing, not even the stench of death, decay, not evil, nothing can stop him. He commands, come out. And from the grave, Lazarus comes out, wrapped up, wrapped up, but still alive, newly alive. And now God is glorified. Grace is manifest. And the faith of all who are there is grown. Do you believe? Do you trust God's timing and that he loves you? Do you have confidence that you can bring everything and anything to him? Are you living without fear because Jesus Christ has overcome the grave? Do you know that he alone can call you out? Do you take him at his word? Are you living out in the open, fresh air of new life in Christ, or are you still in the cave, holding on for dear life to this life? Are you so concerned that your, your body be healed that you're not hearing the healer say, come out? Friends, do not get stuck in the tomb of this earthly existence. There is light and life outside. There is real life right now offered to you with all of your vitamins and all of your medications and all of our ointments and all the things we do to desperately hold on to this life. He says, come out and live in this new life, in the fresh air, and be unbound. That's what it means to live in Christ. Some of us are so afraid of losing our battle for our biological life that we miss that the war for our eternal life is already won. Glory and grace of eternal life are to be enjoyed right now. Only Jesus can command us out of our graves and give us new clothes to wear. Seeing him for who he is, believing him for who he is, trusting him for what he's done, the word incarnate revealing the glory of God, climaxing with the cross and the resurrection. That's how we are saved, and that's how we receive the promises of eternal life right here, right where we're sitting in these pews, right when you're sitting in a funeral home or in the emergency room. He speaks these words of promise in the midst of your pain and suffering. Because he overcame death, we can overcome anything. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he leaned into Martha and said, Martha, do you believe this? And he's leaning close to your ear right now and saying, 
Do you believe this? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I want to believe this. Help me with my unbelief. Help all of us here, Lord. Help us to know that we can trust your perfect timing. That we know that you love us. You're not far off in the distance, but you're near to us by your spirit. Give us confidence, Lord, that we can bring anything to you. You can see that in the Psalms of how they they teach us, instructing us how to pray, that we can express our doubts and our fears, even our anger and frustration, all of it before you. You're big enough for it. Help us, Lord, to live without fear because you have overcome the grave. And help us, Lord, to know that you alone can call us out into new life. Call us out of those places, Lord. Help us to let go of those old grave cloths of of lingering near the grave and to go out into the new life you have in store for us. We pray in your precious name.